On front page with me this morning is Razak Chik, executive editor at Astro Awani. And uh, the government, for now, does not intend to give duet raya to the 112,000 Overfelda settlers throughout the country because the country's financial situation does not permit so, said Economic Affairs Minister Datuk Sri Muhammad Azmin Ali. He said instead the government was giving priority to providing cost of living and advance on produce incentives for the settlers before this idle fitri. So, Raza, with the country's financial situation, how does giving incentives help? You see, the minister, he didn't use the word incentive. He used the word, I think it was something to, to do with loans, where uh, when you get this money, it is not given without any responsibility on you to return the money. It's, it's a loan. If I were a Felda settler, you know, I would look at those, those good old days where, you know, every raya you get bonuses, you get whatever, do it raya, and, and you spend it all. When someone who is a Felda settler gets 600 ringgit, for, for instance, incentive or, or do it raya, they would spend it immediately. And I think that's, in a way, it's targeted. It's, it's good in that someone from that income level would spend the money on the local community. Uh, but the, in the good old days, it was given to you, and you can forget about it and spend it. But now, uh, there is this need to instill a sense of responsibility. I remember Felda in its heyday had 8 billion ringgit in cash reserves. Mm-hmm. Now it's 8 billion in debt. Right. So the third generation and, and, and uh, of Felda settlers, people who are, have gone out, seen the world, uh, learned a lot more about the ways of the world in terms of uh, managing finances, have reached a situation, a point where they realize that this climate of being Santa Claus during Hari Raya needs to stop because the money comes from somewhere. And in most of the incentives given to Felda settlers Mm -hmm. are actually loans and for which a lot of people, although they have 10 hectares of land and it's worth a lot of money, uh, you end up having to sell the land in order to repay debts that have been accumulated and given to you when you thought that all the while that it was given to you free of charge any yeah. yeah okay well they, they mentioned cash crop models I mean uh, can you tell us about that and what your opinion is on this model with regards to uh, the Felda settlers uh, I'm no graduate of uh, UPM but doing a bit of uh, googling <laughs> here and there uh, when I was studying I, I, I remember the word tanaman kontan yeah. it's what it is uh, cash crops meaning you, you grow crops that you do not consume yourself it's worth money so if a Felder settler has 10 hectares of land and you are waiting for to replant your 20-year-old palm oil trees, you would have ample land in front of your own house, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, in your back garden or, or, or in between the rows of replanted trees yeah. to, to grow chilies, to grow brinjol. Yeah. It's about being crops. productive, really, isn't it? In this day and age where people are more open-minded, uh, you... You have to ensure that you don't grow the evil stuff, the evil weed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although that could be very lucrative. Okay. All right. Well, when we come back, um, insurance for mental health is something um, the health ministry needs to look at. We'll be talking about that next here on Light. 
On front page with me this morning, Executive Editor at Astra Awani, Raza Cheikh. Now, the Health Ministry needs to start the ball rolling for insurance coverage for mental health care and treatment for Malaysians, says patron of the Malaysian Psychiatric Association, Tansri Lilam Thai. There is a need to take an initiative on the subject, and it should come from the Health Ministry. In support of mental health causes, could play a role in explaining the need for insurance coverage by sending a memorandum to both government and insurance associations. I guess, you know, this will mean higher insurance premiums. How likely do you think this will come to be, Raza? You know, when you say higher insurance premiums, you're assuming that there is there's someone out there who's willing to insure this particular risk. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this being the fasting month, I attended an IFTA session organized by a European insurance in this country, and its MD, a German, absentmindedly walked without looking where he was going. And, and lo and behold, he lost his balance and he tripped over my laptop charger cable, oh training all the way to the nearest wall socket. Him being the diplomat that he is, being an insurer, apologized to me. And then later when he talked to me, he said, he gently told me, you know, Raza, if this were the Trump's America, mm-hmm. I could sue you mm. or I could sue the IFTA venue if I had a broken neck and chose to sue. So the moral of the story is you can insure anything provided you you are able to pay the right premium and then the actuarial people behind the scenes would have already calculated what kind of premium should be charged. So uh, you can approach this particular MD and uh, he says that, no, he's willing to, to insure anything. Okay. So mental health, yes, why not? All right. What are some of the efforts taken by the government to help with mental health issues in the country? Ushas, come on. Uh, if you go to any district hospital out there, I can't find a clinic day that looks after people with mental issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're saying all- that they're not really doing very much at all? Uh, well, there, there have been moves to address the root causes, meaning you start with the education ministry where you get people with expertise to come and counsel and provide education. Now, are we prepared for that? I don't think so. We are hard-pressed enough to get the right teachers to instill the three R's. Now we want to introduce a, a, a fourth dimension into this in the education system. It is, this is something that affects people from a different strata. It does affect everybody, but, you know, when it happens to people who are, I'm so sorry to say, but uh, who, who do not appear to make the, able to make the right noises, it is something which is not hardly an issue that's addressed. All right. Well, it's something I'm definitely um, going to be watching closely. <laughs> it just seems to me mental health issues are on the rise and we, we need to get something rolling. Yeah, with so much pressure in our lives today, mm. I think it's something that is real out there. Very real. All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at, well, scholars ships for Palestinians in Malaysia, something that's been hot on social media lately. Everyone's talking about that. That's next here on Light. On the front page with me this morning is Raza Cheek, executive editor at Astro Awani. Now, a total of 12 local universities will be offering scholarships to Palestinian students living here, says Prime Minister Tun Dr. Mahathir Muhammad. The government has decided to offer scholarships through the Palestinian Cultural Organization Malaysia for the students to pursue bachelor, master's and PhD courses in 12 established Malaysian universities. The scholarships will be funded from 11.47 Seven million ringgit raised by the universities. Raza, you know, there's been a huge hue and cry over social media about this generous offer when so many deserving Malaysian students get sidelined, not just for scholarships, but even placements in local universities. Shouldn't the priority for local universities to offer scholarships 
going to local students? If I were to put on my blinkers and go about my daily chores without thinking of others, you know, that, that would be my, my first feeling on the, on the matter. But, you know, we are a rich country. This is one reason why I really want Jolo to be found, <laughs> brought back to Malaysia, make him and people involved in 1MDB, make restitution. We are so rich. We were rich. Now, when we become rich, we can help prosper our neighbour, mm-hmm. not beggar thy neighbour. You know, we, we have a responsibility to, to help people in need. You know, education doesn't just teach you to look after your own immediate needs. Once we are in a situation where we are able to help others, this is where the plight of the Palestinians, you know, at the start of Ramadan, they were under, under they, siege. They, yeah. they were shelling and, and they are in, in a situation where, you know, you do not want to find yourself having to f- look uh, and think, where is the iftar meal coming from? Yes, we have to look after our own uh, students. Uh, to me, uh, the PTPTN issue is one thing uh, mm-hmm. altogether where, you know, if you if you borrow money, just pay full stop. If you have the right uh, funding for scholarships, yes, up to a certain level, we make sure that uh, local needs are attended are met, to. Yes. But uh, at the same time, look out and, and be generous because we are in a situation where we are able to. We are not at war. Mm-hmm. We, uh, you know, just look at the plight of the Palestinians. They need so much help. Okay, well, after the very recent backlash of the 90 to 10 university quota, was it necessarily prudent that the government come out with this offer? I mean, it seems to not make much sense in terms of the, I guess, optics. <laughs> to me, you know, shoot the messenger. With uh, <laughs> so much about this government, it's a matter of optics and, and getting the message through. Mm. Sometimes I think it's just worthwhile to hold back and don't talk about certain things. It's not like as if you are sweeping it under the carpet, but, you know, just do it. You know, there's a certain sports brand out there uh, (laughs) that says, no, just do it. (laughs) Okay. Well, when we come back, Duterte loses patience and orders trash shipped back to Canada. It's an interesting story. That's up next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is Razak Cheek, executive editor at Astro Awani. Philippines President Rodrigo Duterte has ordered his government to hire a private shipping company to send 69 containers of garbage back to Canada and leave them within its territorial waters if it refuses to accept the trash, his spokesperson said on Wednesday. He said the Philippines, as an independent sovereign nation, must not be treated as trash by other foreign nations. Now, our environment minister, Raza, has mentioned that she plans to send and some of these non-recyclable plastic scraps back to the countries of origins as well. What progress have we had since? You know, someone like Duterte, uh, we really need someone like him, as we do need someone like Trump. I'm looking at uh, CNN at the moment, Mm -hmm. and he's calling himself a stable genius. (laughs) Uh, Still. um, Well, uh, here is a president who really bets for his country, come what may. You know, if it was a legal transaction where some company, it may be a rogue company within the Philippines, having, you know, being paid a lot of money to, to accept a shipment, a container load of waste, if it's come and landed and uh, it's now your problem, as it was 
uh, I think, some companies in Malaysia who accepted, who, uh, you know, the responsibility of buying waste from overseas mm-hmm. and uh, with the intention of actually doing something with it. But in the end, took the easy way out. And, uh, you know, there's still so many jungle areas out there in Slang or somewhere where you can just dig up a pit and, uh, re- and create a, a, a landfill. Do it properly. If you want to recycle waste uh, and make Malaysia a place that is known for be, for having the ability and the technology to recycle waste, there needs to be rules and regulations to ensure that it is controlled and it yes. can be traced. So for us to now do a Philippines, do a Duterte, we really have to check where we stand legally. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where I would like to point out to those people who belittle the role of the ICC. When countries are in dispute over items like this, you always have uh, a third party, in this case the ICC, the International Criminal Court. In this case, it's, I don't think this kind of offence falls under the jurisdiction of the ICC, but I think it can be extended into that area. You need a third party out there with the powers of uh, investigation and prosecution in order for arbitration in terms of who owns the waste and what needs to be mm-hmm. done. Can a country that is rich entice uh, a poor country to accept its waste? So you need a third party mm-hmm. legally to be uh, an arbitrator in such disputes. So um, I think this is something to say in favour of uh, us belonging to an institution, legal institution like the ICC. Right, okay. Coming up, we'll take a look at budget hotels. They want taxes reviewed amid Airbnb competition. That story is up next here on Light. With me this morning is Razak Cheek, Executive Editor at Astro Awani. Budget hotels want taxes reviewed amid Airbnb competition. Local budget hotels are calling for a review of tax policies to help them cope with competition against Airbnb and low profit margins from online hotel bookings. They say that the revenue for budget hotels or hotels with three stars and below have suffered a 15% to 20% decline in revenue, with some of the 500 budget hotels in KL even suffering losses in the past two years. Raza, can we foresee another taxi e-hailing-like debacle with this? Let us understand what the e-hailing taxi debacle is. Firstly, I think we have a situation where the drivers find that they are weighed down under too many uh, rules and regulations in terms of registration, education and supervision. Mm-hmm. Now, if that is uh, what is described as a debacle, I think it's something that is me as a user, I can live with it. But you, a, a president has already been set where if a government meddles in something that is uh, a, free, a product of free market forces, Of course, it will affect taxi drivers, it will affect budget hotels. Budget hotels are there uh, if they function perfectly with no issues, no problems. If they operate under similar conditions uh, where bigger hotels are subject to in terms of fire safety and all the uh, regulations, then they would be operating under uh, similar situations to, to those hotels and that would put them out of business. So to consider that we might be reaching a situation where a debacle of proportions that, uh, you know, appear to be affecting e-hailing taxi drivers. Mm -hmm. I think let's live with it because whatever is new, uh, driven by technology, needs supervision, needs regulation, 
And uh, we need to find a level that is comfortable to all parties, to, to right. the operators and to users. Raza, has any other countries regulated online homestay services yet? I try to look hard and uh, you, you need to look at Japan, for instance. Because mm-hmm. They are facing uh, rooms crunch in time for the Tokyo Olympics. And they do have set regulations where... You know, even the the size of the room, even to the point where you know the the Japanese are stickler for rules. I think you know how much uh, space you need to have before you can offer your house for rent out to perfect strangers. So it has set rules, but it has not reached a level where these rules are um, so binding and so difficult for people to to follow and adhere to that it's been largely ignored. But, uh, you know, come uh, Tokyo 2020, I think they would get their act in order and there would be rules up there to protect uh, foreigners coming to Tokyo. Thank you, Raza. And, of course, we'll have this hour on our podcast at light.my a little later this morning.